night makes fall hot. Big fracking deal. They cast Rickon. Have you seen Rickon? Better be a little tiny dude. He's actually, like, older. It's weird. Maybe they'll make him just, like, immature. Resume jump prep. I know, we know that Tyrion does not like eating horse. <laughs> Because I thought that was one of his funnier lines. This is where we yes. start to. This is where we start to see some of his personality come out. I love I love Tyrion. He's like my favorite character, pretty much. So the more we see of that, the the better. Yeah, I think this highlight. I know with me personally, I like both Tyrion and Cat. So I think having two characters you like be in opposition to each other is something you can definitely have in this series, which. I first realized around this point. Well, I think it's a different kind of juxtaposition. They're against each other. She's taking him prisoner, but yet they're riding up to the area, and there are people coming after them that want to murder them, so they're against each other, but they have to be with each other, too. And right. so that's a very odd sort of odd like, bedfellows. He's her prisoner, but she has to trust him with an axe. You know, and he's still trying to convince her here that he wasn't, wasn't involved in the attack on Bran, and I think that by the time they get through this chapter, she starts to question it herself. She took him honorably in front of all of these people, and part of her wants to think, well, you know, he did come from an honorable family, and, and he does do what he's, you know, he does mean what he says, and she thinks that he's a decent person deep down, I think. Or that he has the ability to be decent. It's just she's so confused about what his motivations are that she... And she trusts Littlefinger, which is... Yeah, which is very odd. I don't know <laughs> how someone... I was going to say, uh, it's interesting that throughout all the books I've, all I've read so far, there's still, I think, a little mystery as to who the dagger actually belonged to. Have we what, actually the started the podcast covers? yet? No, we haven't. We should do that. Oops. Yes, we should. And we started, even talk, started talking about the book. I was there. The second season of the Puffer Exchange. It was a port of call for fans from a hundred fandoms. It could be a dangerous place, but we accepted the risk because the Puffer Exchange was our last best hope for conversation. This is our story. Welcome back to the Pulpo Exchange. I'm P.S. I'm Jen too. And I'm Aaron. And, and we, we are now beginning to talk about some more of a Game of Thrones. Okay, I'm eating chocolate. I'm sorry. I'm trying to suck on Dove almond chocolate. Mm. Sounds good. Mm. I love almonds. I love almonds too. That's not to love. You know what, you know what is right. to love though? A Game of Thrones by George oh. R. R. Martin. Awesome. Awesome segue. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, loved it so much that I read it for the podcast. And then I went and read the next book and the next book and the next book until I read all four of them. And then I chucked the fourth one across the room because I'm like, damn it, George, publish the next book. What the hell's your problem, boy? Just publish Mm -hmm. it already. I think he's waiting. He's probably waiting for us to finish coverage of our series. He's probably (laughs) waiting. He's probably listening. He's probably thinking. When they get to finish Feast for Crows, that's when I'm going to publish Dance with Dragons. So that Puffo Exchange is going to have something else to talk about. Isn't there going to be one more after that? I don't know anymore. I think it's unable to tell. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just going to end when he has his you know last cardiac. Yeah, he's it's going to end when he dies. And- yeah, it's gonna it's end gonna, the way the Robert Jordan one, and then they're going to get Brandon Sanderson to come in and finish this one too. That's that'll be great. Second, I thought you were going to say Brandon Stark. I'm like that would be no. pretty awesome. 
Like get well, get suppo- one of the Starks to finish the story because they know. Well, supposedly what like he's written. There. You know, if you keep if you keep reading his site, supposedly he's written and written and written and written, and the man just keeps rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. So maybe oh, somewhere yeah. in all of his massive amounts of notes, he has a story in there to tell. So I'm sure he has the. I wonder if he has the end figured out. I'd hope so. I hope so too, but I'm not so convinced. I'm a little skeptical. I, I dare say. Yeah. I gotta say, speaking of this, compared to my other major fantasy series, Wheel of Time, I'm very impressed with how well he's managed to keep everything, all the balls in the air so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't really ever end any kind of anything. It all just keeps like, going. I, I don't get the impression that there's really anything he has forgot about or, like, decided to not address. Yeah. And I like I like how in each book he kind of he does manage to end on on good climactic points for each character arc, but also manages to move things forward. I'm I'm worried that it'll bog down a little bit, and said so please don't tell me that it does or does not. But I'm a little worried about it doing that maybe in the third and fourth books because it seems like time. You know, when you the problem is when you you would love having all these really well realized characters, but at some point you've got to actually do stuff with the characters and, and keep keep the plot moving forward. But if you you have 12 people you're trying to tell stories for can slow down and i feel like maybe that might happen that makes me ill but we're still in the first book and it moves very quickly i think for something that's so long yeah well yeah. How, much, how much time is covered in the first book do we have any idea it's hard to tell because even further on i'm not sure there's not really any clear demarcation of time passing yeah well yes there is yes there is because at the end of this book, Danny has just given birth. Oh. And at the beginning of this at the beginning of this book, she's a month or so from being married. So I would say it's a little under a year. Was, she doesn't actually give birth though. Yeah, I was I always I wasn't sure that it was a full developed. But baby. she was close, I think. I think she was mm-hmm. close. It was close to her time. So maybe like eight. I think it or... was. She. I think she was eight or nine months pregnant. She. It was close mm-hmm. for her to. It was close to her time. Because I got the. I got the un- impression that when the call died and I have to go what look is her the name Almiri or Marisi Almiri or whatever her name is. Yeah. That uh, when she asked her to do her blood magic that and she went into she labor, wanted it. it that it actually was just about it was time for her to give birth. I I've always had the impression that it was her time to go. It wasn't something that was premature or that she was because or at least the close enough because or close enough that it would would have been safe because there are times in here that if, if you were kind of watching what she says, she talks about being so large and being on the horse and how uncomfortable mm-hmm. she was. Yeah. And, yeah. Blah blah blah, and, and so if prob- you're not, so at least in the six to nine month range, in, in there somewhere. Yeah, I, w- I would. I'm I would gonna go say that nine. I mean eight nine. It's less mm-hmm. than a year. Definitely not more than a year. But I'm gonna say I'm guessing in the nine month range. But you know who knows. Nine months to them could very well be a year and a half. Who knows? Maybe they don't gestate their children the same amount of time we do. Human style. Maybe. This isn't necessarily our world. Yeah, we haven't really gotten any impression that these aren't at least close enough to resemble Homo sapiens sapiens, but <laughs> this is definitely not our world, no. I would say. Unless it's way post apocalyptic. You know, this could all this is could all be World of Warcraft and they could all be blood elves or something. We don't know. It's possible. Yeah. Although, if I knew what that was, I would probably say like something elf. like a Keebler elf. Like a high fantasy elf. No. Like like a no, lost. like a warlock or a or Lord of the Rings guy or a, uh, I see. You know. Yeah, when 
When I hear so, about elves, I picture Santa's workshop. Elves. No, not a gnome. Not a dwarf. No, not gnomes. They're elves. <laughs> if that's an elf, then what's a gnome? A, a gnome is like a lawn gnome. All right, all right, all right. Okay. All right. Hey, so uh, Tyrion and Caitlin, they're going through, what is it, the mountains of something or other? Brilliant! The mountains of... Mountains of the moon. The moon. Yes. This is where, the, this is chapter is the, one of the first times that we start to hear about Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger, and the fact that he boasts that he had Caitlin Stark when she was still Caitlin Tully. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. And I think he really does believe that he took her Boom, shubba, lubba, lubba. before she was Ned's wife. Because it says Tyrion... See, you're making me say it. Tyrion and Caitlin are there, and Bronn is there, and she's saying that Peter loved it, loved her once, and he was only a boy, and and then Tyrion says, and you're a fool. Littlefinger has never loved anyone but Littlefinger, and I promise you that it's not your hand that he boasts of. Boom, shubba, lubba, lubba. It's those ripe breasts of yours and that sweet mouth and the heat between your legs. Boom, shubba, lubba, lubba. Ah, uh, Tyrion. He always, he always just, he just has so much tact, you know. Well, and and that's that's kind of a uh, that's kind of a little little tiny that that one little thing is kind of a little tiny story arc that will that g- goes from that one little comment and it goes. Uh-huh. Through the rest of the series, in a way. Yeah. My comment is is that I think something there. I think I think that Peter really believed at one time that, or believes, continues to believe that he was Caitlin's first. Boom, shubba, lubba, lubba. But that is something that is up for discussion and or dispute. And I'm. I just would always, almost wonder now. I think knowing what happens later more, on in the books, I think it's possible. I think I. Th- think I might be leaning more towards no. And if no, then maybe Lysa. Well, I'm without being able to spoil anything. Just just based on, on just this book and what impressions we get from Caitlin, I don't think it's true. But then again, you know, it could be. She could be she you know, I don't know. She could have it could have been she could have blocked it out or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> it could have been so bad. <laughs> Maybe he really was little finger. <laughs> mm. Well, you wouldn't believe that she's honorable and that she wouldn't do something like that. But then, right. then again, you you'll, even the most honorable people in the series, which I consider Ned Stark to be right at the top of that list, he has a bastard son. It's, right. And we, we get it. It's it's very much glossed over in the first book, and I'm. I'm but I think it's less. Accept- I mean, that's sort of socially acceptable, whereas it's not socially acceptable for a woman. Yeah, it's much more accessible. Well, it's much more acceptable for a male. You know, definitely. I think I think it's more. I think the problem with John is more that Caitlin personal is Caitlin's personal thing, and not not society. Because I think society is generally okay with it. It's just that Kate feels, and I think the fact that Kate feels by it slighted that I think she wouldn't have done it. That and the fact that it happened right after they were married and while he was away at war and while she was pregnant with their first child and, and instead of coming mm-hmm. home to war from war to meet his son, he yeah. came home with, and I also think more yeah, with a baby. She would have felt less confident because that they weren't originally supposed to happen. Like I can see, you know, young Caitlin just married feeling like she has somehow failed to please Ned because she wasn't the one he was supposed to marry. I mean, yeah, you know, she was yeah. supposed to marry the brother and right. So anyway, I think I'm thinking no. I obviously, I mean, Littlefinger obviously 
has it, I I can't remember if it, how strongly it's been presented that he had a thing for both sisters, but mm-hmm. it hasn't been strongly presented yet. Oh, Not yet. Well, well that's okay. why I wanted. To, that's why I wanted to point it out because that one little line in this chapter it's the, is it's the, the biggest up being like people to think. I would think like th- I think he would like people to think that he was Caitlin's first. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. And is I would say I would is, not be. Su- is he is he lowborn or is he? Um... I'm going to say that he was lowborn. He was just lower born. Okay. Yeah, he's not like a lord, but he's lower in like basically she would not not she would it, not a good match. Like he wasn't. Would not, he neither wasn't, sister would have married. Like would have married him. He wasn't landed. I think was the problem okay. wasn't because he didn't he only had the uh yeah he only had like the little keep over on the fingers he didn't actually have land and vassals and things that they yeah, had to well, marry like a land him up actually but on westeros.org a wiki of ice and fire to see about his he explains it in one of the novels yeah. it's not this one i don't think but he explains why he wasn't good enough, quote unquote, for the Tully girls. And he's certainly not that high, but he did, was did he explain obviously high chapter? enough to be fostered at River Run. So, yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was wondering if, in the chapter where Caitlin first meets up with him, I thought maybe that they they mention it in that chapter. That's really early in this book. We've already passed it, so I don't know. No, it says it says here, and I don't know if this is a spoiler because I don't recall having read it, but it does say that his grandfather was Bravosi, so I think maybe he wasn't okay. that high up because his family was fairly recent immigrants. Yeah. Uh, that might be it, too. That, I'd be willing to bet that's, that has something to do with it as well. Yeah. Since he's only the second generation of the landed family, his grandfather had been a landless hedge knight. Uh, yeah, that sounds... His And the great-grandfather was born in Bravos and came to the Vale as a sellsword employed by House Corbray. So he's Kind of nouveau riche. Yeah, that would have been it. That okay, that makes sense now. But yeah, he was important enough that he could be fostered in a good in a uh, good house. But he wasn't. But not so important that he could be married to someone. Married, yeah. yeah. But I do think. I mean, he obviously wanted to. Marriage is fudging the details of what he wanted to do. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. But <laughs> yeah. I think he just wanted no, to do them. He- but. I think he wanted. I think he wanted to marry them. Oh yeah, I mean, he wanted to marry them so he could have the power. Yeah, that's. I think yeah. Peter. Peter's all about power. I mean, I'm he not wants sh- to move up in the world. I mean, he wants to move up in the world. I don't sure. I'm not sure. Even after having read through all of the series at this point, I figured out what Peter wants. Peter is an enigma. I think he feel. I think he, there's certainly a degree of him feeling having an inferiority complex because he yes. isn't as. High ranking as the Tullys, which he grew up with. I mean, I think that when you look at as a character and inferiority, I guess, when you look at Tyrion and you look at Peter, Tyrion has a reason to feel small. To feel small and to feel to feel slighted, to feel <laughs> like he people. really has reason to feel slighted. Yeah. Yeah. But, Ty- but Tyrion is, ju- I mean, he, he's got the whole dwarf thing, but he's also just a second son you know he's has the same problems as you know hundreds of other second Second. third fourth sons of lords which is i think i mean i think i think peter would trade his left ball to be tyrion 
you know. But in a way, but I'm also saying that you would think that Peter wouldn't quite even have such a problem with his self-image or his, I don't know, it just, Tyrion even, I don't think it's just the Lannister thing. Tyrion's a stronger character, a stronger soul than Peter is. Yeah, Peter's Peter is so, he's just so, it's like he puts on such a good show, but he's really such a uh, weak I think he's a, he's a weak person. I don't know. But then again, you know, later on, is that really true or not? You don't know. So It's hard to tell. Like, I mean, he's... At times, you, at times you wonder, and, and it's just like Tyrion, too. They're very, very similar kinds of characters, but one can go one way and the other can go the other. Yeah. And you're not, and neither one about that. And you're not really sure with either one of them if the way that they're going is really the way <laughs> they're really going the way you think they are. If you understand what I'm saying, I mean, you can read the pages and think, I understand what they're doing. And yet you have no clue what they're up to. They're very, very complicated men, both of them. And they, they're both very flawed and, and Peter's flawed inside and Tyrion's flawed outside. And they both have to fight to get past those things and i think that peter gets by with a lot more because people can't see his flaws as well Mm -hmm. as they can see Tyrion's. he's able he's a because he's a handsome man Mm -hmm. he may be small but he's a somewhat handsome man so he's easy on the eyes and so he gets away with more because people don't have to see his inner nature so i think it's it's kind of interesting to contrast him and Tyrion at times yeah and i I think peter can get away with more because of his lower rank like i think people look at him and they see oh he's just whatever he is the master of coin you know i mean yeah that's a it's a it's a it's a tricky trap to fall into. Even even our most intelligent characters in this in this series, I'm sure, fall into it time and again. And I think I had forgotten he was supposed to be good looking. I think it wasn't until we were looking at the actors, and I was like, "Is it wrong that I find Littlefinger attractive?" Because I had not well, realized. Well, do, do you remember it? I think you start to hear it at the very beginning when when Ned goes to court, isn't it? Oh, what is her name? With who has Lawless? Lawless's mother. She's always having him Lady over. Lady Tanda. Lady Tanda is always having him over to have you know, always making eel or lamprey pie, and having him over to trying to woo mm-hmm. him for Lawless. Character. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's always dressed in his finery, and and I think even. At the tourney, Sansa, I wouldn't say notices him, but notices is a weird word because they were standing Mm -hmm. next to each other and having the conversation. But I think that she's like, wow, he grew up with my mom. And I think it it was enough for her to make a mental check in her mind that, well, this is a man that, you know, loved my mother. And so I don't think he could have been too hideous yeah i didn't i didn't think he was hideous it was not something i'd ever thought of before like if i had to list people that were that were supposed to be attractive i'm not sure i would have come up with him automatically he might have been described at one point but i could i damned if i can remember what he looks like yeah i don't he has a little beard that's all i remember there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of like really really attractive people in this world they they keep there's like i think jamie and cersei are supposed to be phenomenally attractive i think danny is supposed to be attractive i think i think just her silver hair is weird yeah i think i think and, and i think i think by extrapolation 
Kate because she's supposed to look like her mother. Kate, yeah, Caitlin is, is supposed to. Ned doesn't. Oh, uh, what's his, what's his face? Loris. Yeah, Sir Loris, of course. He knight of flowers. Oh, yeah. Well, and Renly. Yeah, Renly. Renly is good looking. So there's some, but there's not like. Yeah. It's not like everybody is 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 crazy beautiful. Well, yeah. No. I get the idea that that Arya would be cute if she would take a bath <laughs> and you know wear her hair in a would dress like, would dress in a uh, femaleish fashion instead of that a maleish she, fashion. That, yeah, that she, well, that she would be considered you know a, a lady. Yes. You know, but that since she has no inclination whatsoever, you know, to put on dresses, mm-hmm. she's going to fight it all the way. Speaking of Arya, she's the next chapter. She is the next chapter, and this is I I think that this chapter. And I'm sure I probably have said this once or twice in the four podcasts we've done so far. This chapter is one that I've always remembered and one that is one of my favorites. It's a very short chapter, but it's one that always sticks out. And I don't know why, but I just, it, I always remember it. But it's the one where she's catching the cats. I love this chapter. I love Arya chasing the cats and just the unconventional way that Furio is teaching her. Yeah. I love it. Just the quiet as a feather, quiet as a shadow, light as a feather, and why? She, yeah. how Fear she cuts just, deeper than swords. Fear cuts how deeper than swords. I love that phrase, by the way. I love that phrase. Quick as a snake. How she? How you can almost like see her in your mind's eye, slinking around these little dark places in the castle, trying to catch these cats. And, you know, thinking to herself these little things that Sirio is teaching her about, you know, quiet as, you know, you know quiet, quiet, mouse quiet as a mouse. And she's she's telling her these self these things. And then she's diving for these cats and they're scratching the hell out of her. And she's covered in scratches and bruises. And, and this is a lord's daughter. <laughs> yeah. And she doesn't she look any. her even more awesome. Yeah, and she doesn't look any different than any of the homeless gutter rats. You know, isn't even recognizable to the <laughs> to the to the prince and the princess who I mean who their who their hands children are. Yeah. But especially the one the two they brought they brought to court. Yeah. Yeah. And they rode so, the entire way from the northern part of the kingdom to wherever this is in King's Landing at a central. Right. Right. Oh, right. kind of central south. Yeah, and she and they, she's unrecognizable to them, so I I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome that she's quick and fast enough that she can run away from guards, and she's climbing through windows and tearing through the kitchens. And you know, I just there's a lot of mental images in this chapter. The, my favorite one is the of this cat, and I hope that when they do the series, not to get back to the TV too much, but I hope when they do this series, they get the cat right they have to have this one little even if it's just like a little tiny snippet of something about mm-hmm. her catching cats i mm-hmm. hope that they get the cat right you know it's got to be yeah. a cat cat with a you know like half a missing ear and it's got to start with the cat like i have this very strong image in my head of how the scene should be filmed and it has to start zoomed in on the cat just like the book just like it starts <laughs> you know with a sentence about the cat before you yeah. get to anything about Arya. Yeah. And it also, I mean, it reminds me of, like, the Karate Kid in a way. You know, she's, like, perched. Nice. <laughs> 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 but I just, you realize that how awesome Sirio is as a teacher. And, I mean, he's not teaching her, and then again, with the Karate Kid, but he's teaching her everything but swordplay. Karate training. I'm what? 
I'm being your goddamn slave is what I'm being, man. Now, we made a deal here. So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days, I've been busting my ass. I haven't learned a goddamn thing. Ah, you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I wax your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Ah, not everything is as seem. Oh, bullshit. I'm going home, man. Yeah. He's teaching her how to fight. He's teaching her how to fight with her instinct, not with a sword. Uh-huh. How to get the um the mindset. Like, I think he sees that she needs a mindset first. Learn balance. Go on, Nikki. Learn you know he's teaching he's teaching her how to react and and how to to smooth out her senses or or calm herself to to prepare herself mentally for for what she may have to do that that she might not otherwise be able to comprehend or uh-huh. handle because other you know battle is icky you know and if mm-hmm. you really have to stick somebody with the pointy end then that's a really tough thing to do but you know, he's really preparing her to detach and to dig down into herself to pull power from herself. He's teaching her how to connect. And you don't see people teaching that kind of discipline anymore. No, it's rare and very um, interesting. Yeah. And uh, effective, it seems. Very effective. Because he's taught her this, she's immediately put to a test right here in the in the chapter. Because she run, she's running and she gets lost and she ends up with the dragons. And the first test is, is that she's there and she's immediately just scared, speechless. She's there are monsters there and and she just doesn't think she can she can go on. And, you know, it's, it's like she's lost... Every, you know, she's her mind has gone blank because she's she's so in the now of her fear, and she's like, "Wait a minute!" It's like she like draws like draws a line or you know in the sand, or she wipes the slate, and she's like, "Wait a minute!" I'm taking Vicodin. Calm. I need to be uh-huh. calm as still water. You know, and then she starts to apply what he's taught her, and he's she's like there's nothing here in the dark that can hurt me and then the next thing you know she went from a little girl to a young woman right there with the dragons and that changed it changed her it changed her she applied what sirio taught her and it made her totally different down there and with the dragon heads she overhears a conversation and she overhears a conversation. And it took me a whole read through the series and a second read through this book to realize who these people were. Well, All right. Varies. Yes, I think I guessed that. Yeah, I get. I mean, I knew who... who I, I was pretty sure who he was all the time. But the other one... Who do you oh. think? I mean, can Aaron hear this? Or can we... We can... You can say it and we can cut it because I... The, oh. you, can, you can just say it if you want. We can cut it. I, I don't mind. Well, it, it it doesn't really make one one different one way or the other. But I just I never really I really could never really. I never I never really ever I never really ever ever really ever figure out who it was or why the conversation was so important. Other than they were talking about the danger to Ned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's. You just blew my mind. Hmm. But he says something about, I think I didn't get it, but it's, they're talking about what good is war. And she, yeah, she calls him the forked beard. And he has to pause to catch his breath after he climbs. And he knows that the princess is pregnant. So it took me a while to figure it out and why it was important. Anyway, which again segues into another 
<laughs> important chapter. The Khaleesi is pregnant, and now Robert wants to kill Daenerys. Yep, the whore is pregnant. Yep, the whore yep. is pregnant. And this is where Ned should have followed through. <laughs> he should have just done what he wanted to do and just mm-hmm. gotten the ruck out. And instead, he listened to his friend. This is where I always want to go back and I'm like, Ned, Ned, just listen to your heart, man. Listen to your heart and go home to your wife. That's not there. Take your kids and run. Oh, it would all have been so much easier. So and much then easier. we wouldn't have a story. <laughs> That's true. People making dumb decisions, people making decisions that seem wise at the time but turn out to be very foolish. All that's it's all part of the tapestry of the series. Caitlin makes a comment later on that, you know, if you know, if only this had happened instead of this, you know, things would be so much different. And she's right that they would be. But you don't know that at the time. You don't know how people are going to do. People, you know, hash their own schemes. There's no point at which every, everybody in, this, in these books schemes, especially all the adults. I mean, Tyrion is a schemer. Varies, of course, huge schemer. We know Littlefinger is a crazy schemer. Caitlin has schemes, and the and the Lannisters scheme with every breath they take. We also realize too how insecure Robert is on the throne here. Insecure, like like a, like I mean, a psychological. For one thing, well, also, but, I mean, he does think that Danny's a legitimate threat. I mean, well, and I he's think, right. She's a legitimate. Yeah, threat. that is true, but I mean, it seems to me to be kind of extreme to kill. I don't know. Well, I mean. There's something about the Targaryens. Uh, I just don't know how to pronounce that word. They came. They came to Westeros on the backs of dragons and laid waste. They conquered, and it seems the way it's told is that it was done so easily that they just they just came and they just took everything out, and they were like, and they had forced everyone to bend knee to them or die. And there's this kind of mystique about them and about their dragons. And, and for Robert, who who finally overthrows them after who knows how many hundreds of years of their rule, the idea that they're still out there, that they could still make, you know, maybe somehow they could still come back and defeat him, it's it, it eats at him, I think. And mm-hmm. it, may, it may be a little bit irrational, but it comes from that kind of that latent fear they have of of this this force that they can't deal with. Right. But you know that you realize how consumed he is. I mean, he's willing he's willing to kill a little girl who's pregnant with an unborn child. She's what, 12, 13, something like that, 14? Yeah. Yeah. She's still a little girl. I mean, she's married. Definitely. She's been married, you know, pretty much sold into marriage, but she's she's still technically in Ned's eyes and in mine too. Yeah, I mean, she's still a Ned little Ned is clearly trying to talk him down saying all how she's such not a threat and you know the, the word robert uses is dragon spawn mm-hmm. uh-huh. and then stupid pycelle i i hate him stupid old I, man i hated him to begin with i always hated him i never really felt too strongly about him mainly i think i just kind of glossed over his character but i hate him more as the series progresses well, he's wishy-washy. He can't he's make very a de- wishy-washy. he can't yeah. make a decision to save his life, and he just rolls with whatever he thinks people want to hear. And I realize this is this is part of the book, I think, where you start to realize about Sir Selmy, Barristan Selmy, mm-hmm. and he speaks up and says that you know it's it's not honorable to kill a, mm-hmm. a baby in his womb, and he actually says. You know, it's not really his place to say that he agrees with Ned. And so this was an interesting chapter politically. And also that, that Ned tells him to kiss off. And then you, I was really surprised. You think that he tells him, you know, to uh, 
take this hand and shove it and goes back to his rooms and you think that he really is going to be returning to Winterfell. So there's, he, he almost rejoices, you know, I think in his head that when he thinks he's returning to Winterville. Or Wintervale. Winterfell. How about we trade our tiger blood for some winning? Ding! If I could talk. Well, I think he's, I won, re- yeah. he's realized how much the court has changed him and he, how much it's changed his daughters and he thinks how much being king has changed robert because i mean i don't think this is the same he i don't think from ned's perspective this is the same guy he used to know right and i think he knows how dangerous it i think he realizes that it's a danger to him to be there i mean because i think he worries about losing himself yeah. and in the mess of it and so when he gets a chance to get out I think he's happy that he can take the out and get his kids out while he can because he sees how dirty it is and he's not not happy. Right, and then he, so he, Ned is making plans to return to Winterfell and he tells Littlefinger, which I wonder if that was smart. <laughs> yeah, you have to wonder if anything you tell Littlefinger is, I wouldn't have told Littlefinger anything and, and that surprised me too that he would trust him so readily especially with how concerned he was about whether or not he was even going to be able to be there you know a fortnight or a day or a week so then we have caitlin going up that mountain and it's creepy that That freaks me out i love the description of the of the airy it's amazing i know everything i mean i feel like the airy is just like the twilight zone because i mean not only is it it's just so weird it's almost like the 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 stairwells are like the sideways and you know you you can can walk on the edge of a precipice and if you and i think the high altitude messes with the people's heads yeah that could be it too and also it's just it's so it's so extreme is what it is it's it's, well, it's just that you got it up there on the edge of that freaking cliff. Why did they live there in the first place? Like, why did the first Aaron live there? Like, decide, oh, they- gee, here I'll build a castle right here on the edge of the cliff. Well, like, the, the, the Vale is a valley, and I'm sure that it's, they've got, it's to protect sure it's the valley. it's the defense, yeah. yeah. But it's just, I mean, it's just going up on the donkeys, and when they go across that one part where it's you know three feet wide and the wind is blowing and you can it's like you can you can feel it you wonder like what percentage of these people have you know died how I many what percentage of people walking across have died and you and you think that it's probably like 10 or 15 percent like it's a lot i mean just yeah well, yeah and she she gets to see her uncle the blackfish again and he's a pretty awesome dude i know I yeah love him. he reminds me of there's a couple of characters like him in this book. This solid, solid people who are not like in the position of authority. Barristan um, Selmy is yeah. one of them. Yeah, he's just um, decent people, you know, that like don't get caught up in all this whatever, this uh, back and mm-hmm. forth, and just want to do the right thing. They put Tyrion in an interesting cell. Oh, oh god! I think we've talked about the sky cells before because it's just one of the most vivid images that you get from the book. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're in this chapter or not. Mm. Yeah, we should probably talk about Lord Robert if we're going to talk about this chapter. Yeah, this it, the sky cells aren't in this chapter, but Lord yeah, Robert the, is in uh, this chapter, and we we get to meet her sister for the first time. And good God, she doesn't strike me as a particularly strong character, to say the least. She she is knocking fuds. <laughs> 
That is a great description. I mean, it's like she has taken leave of her senses. Well, there you go. High altitude messes with their heads. I think you could be totally normal, and then you marry into House Aaron, you move to the Vale, and And it just all flies out the window. Well, and the thing is, is that, but she was like that at court, too. There's this kid, and what, is he five uh, something like that. Six. It's, it says six. right here, he's six. And I don't know if he suffers from anxiety or epilepsy or anxiety and epilepsy or epilepsy with a good dose of acting or or what is wrong with the kid, but you do not breastfeed your children at six. Yuck. Yeah, that's a little bit, uh, little bit old for that. I, I think-, think it's less something wrong with him and, like, you know, he might have something, you know, minorly, like, or something minorly wrong with him that license is totally blown out of proportion in treating him like an infant. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious to see if there's an explanation offered for this down the road. They they have a habit of, of touching, of, of bringing things up and then not explaining them until later you know, on. many mm-hmm. chapters or without spoiling anything, books later, that things are actually explained. I think it's mostly her fault. I mean, I don't. I think he's physically ill. Like he could, he clearly is. And I, I don't. I can't even begin to guess what real disease it might be. But um, it could be just an anemic or something. You know, something. Yeah. Or I mean, he could be epileptic because they talk yeah, about it could the be, shaking. They talk sickness. about having seizures. Seizures. Epilepsy could be. So a, I think he could be very epileptic. I mean, he could very well be epileptic. To, they wouldn't know how to treat that. Right. Um, but the thing is, I just, is that I, I think, think that, he's mentally all right, though, more or less. But I think he knows how to milk it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he is mentally all right in the sense that he has become very manipulative. And I think if he was actually somehow mentally impaired, he wouldn't be able to do that. Right, right. I think it's like he can trigger his own seizures. Yeah, he, knows he, what he's, he knows what he's doing. He knows that Lysa is babying him and he likes it. Yeah. He, he, he wants the attention. Okay, the next Eddard chapter is where we meet. We hear a little bit about Liana. Who was Liana again? Ned's sister. sister. Oh, that's right. Who was betrothed? Beloved little uh, sister. She was betrothed to somebody, wasn't she? Robert. Robert, Bob. that's right. Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob. See, I'm so used to explaining this to Ryan 90 times, and he calls Robert Bob. <laughs> so, that's hysterical. Like Bob Hufflepuff. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? And this is where it starts to, uh, Ned starts to subconsciously piece together what's going going on at court with Robert and Cersei and the Mm -hmm. kids. He doesn't, hasn't figured it out yet here. I think he's starting to, you, you put it very well, I think, subconsciously realize what exactly is going on. Yeah. He questions Littlefinger about Robert's bastards. You know? You're starting to kind of see what they mean. Why I think um, yeah. what the seed is strong might mean. Yeah. 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 And uh, doesn't he meet? Does he meet one of them in this chapter? He meets one that yeah, was he in meets, the brothel. Yeah, yeah. What makes him start thinking is that he meets this prostitute who who is a freckled redhead, and mm-hmm. the baby looks just like Robert. Although uh, redhead redheadedness is recessive. That's you know. oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yes. you kind of have had to have a redhead and a redhead, or a redhead and someone with a recessive redhead gene. Right, and he starts to think about why why John would be so interested and why or why Ned would be so interested and why John was interested in the king's bastards and then this is where we find 
Jamie being a righteous, incredible asshole. Yep. He is, he is, I think this might be his most ass moment here. To date. In the to book. date, yes. Well, yeah, he's got plenty of room to get better or worse. Yeah. And we're still very early. But basically, Ned goes to check out this baby, and he's riding back to the tower and Jamie kills his guard and kills his guard in front of him and slices his horse out from underneath him and shatters his leg and leaves him dying in the street. That bastard. And poor Jory. Because I really liked Jory Castle. I don't know why. He's just a, he's just a you know a little a, you know a little mentioned mentioned guy, but it was like yeah. Jory was Ned's right hand guy and, and everybody just, likes Ned so everybody likes Ned and so it's like you knew it wasn't good when you know he's just riding along in the middle of the city street and boom yeah. Jamie just cuts him down and then let's see and then we're back to Daenerys and she's gone to Vise Dothrak which is where the crones live oh this is so creepy Ah, uh, and she has to eat the horse heart. That's right. And she does this, And this is where she eats the horse heart, right? Yep. yep. And they, they start this stallion that mounts the world. <laughs> the stallion that mounts the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so goofy. It's pretty goofy. I mean, I understand it's, it's these are... one of those things that it doesn't translate well from Dothraki. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can, like, understand that, like, these are horse people and, like, they think in terms of horse metaphors and that, you know, the horse that, the stallion that mounts the world must be real powerful and really cool and an awesome thing. But in my head, I just can't help but, like, picture, like, you know how they say, like, the, some, there's, like, a, a myth about the earth resting on the back of a turtle or something? Yeah. Well, I'm imagining that instead of the earth resting on the back of a turtle, that it's, like, being humped by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is this is where well, she... Uh, Danny wakes the dragon again. Yeah, Which... but this is this is where Viserys really starts to lose his mind. And, I mean, I, I think he was three shakes short of, you know, a full shaker assault to begin with. But she sends her handmaid out to search for him because she's made him a new suit of clothes that, you know, she's hoping will be more comfortable for him. That she's And she's done it out of love. And she sends out for him and she's made him a special meal. And she's hoping they can have a nice evening together while the call is out doing whatever the call does with his blood riders. And he comes in and he... He loses his mind because she sends her handmaid for him. And didn't he have sex with one of them? Did he? I thought he did. Uh, he might have. He might have. I don't know. I don't put anything past him. I mean, I thought. I thought. I, never mind. I thought that was referenced here. Never mind. I might be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, he calls her slut and tells her he's going to. I think, rip I think the baby it is because he, he kept he refers to her as a whore. I think it was. I think he did sleep with Doria. Well, no, he was talking about his. Uh, yeah, it does. It says Viserys was nicer to the Lycene girl than to her Dothraki handmaids, perhaps because Magister Illyrio had let him bed her back in Pentos. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. Uh, and that apparently offends Viserys that he would send that she would send that one to him because of. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. I mean, in his head, that was the wrong thing to do, and that was the reason. But yeah, I mean, he comes from a family where they marry their sisters. So I don't think it's really. <laughs> No one commands the dragon. I am your king. I should have sent you her head. 
You know, it's interesting that the conversation between, like, Ned and Robert, when they're talking about the Dothraki being a threat, they're talking only about Danny's kid. They don't even talk about how Viserys might lead an army back, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, they they totally, yeah, it is interesting. Like, they, they, really they don't need, like, that. they, I mean, I would think that the most logical assumption, unless Viserys was well known to be completely nuts. <laughs> That would be that once Danny was married and allied with the Dothraki, they would immediately give him an army. So I would think they would th- think that Viserys coming any day now with an army would be the most immediate threat than the baby Danny is going to have. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that's real interesting. I wonder. I wonder if that's because Viserys was well known to be off in the head. <laughs> I was proud of Danny here because she actually, for the first time, realizes that her brother doesn't hold any power over her anymore. And she lets him have it. <laughs> yeah, she's feeling so at home in her role as the Khaleesi. And this, yeah, it's the first time she really embraces it and tells him that he better get the fuck out or that Call is going to hear of it and he's going to eviscerate him basically it's it's an interesting transition throughout the book that she goes from thinking thinking of Viserys as the dragon now she's transferred it onto her son and then by the end of the book she thinks of herself as the dragon so it's interesting that you have Danny's like self-confidence go from being like at first she's getting more self-confidence in a sense because she's putting it onto her son but it's still putting it onto somebody else Mm -hmm. so she's not fully you know got she doesn't fully have her self-confidence yet well and i mean and just as a reference point at the end of this chapter it makes sense that the baby is moving she is just starting to feel it's the first time she's feeling the baby move within her and so that can be anywhere you know from four and a half to five months pregnant so we're already six months out from the start of danny's story so that's a good a good i i wouldn't have caught that well that's why she's talking to him she felt the child move with right i had i think i hadn't made the leap that this was the first time she'd felt him move because she had the egg she asked she asked to hold the egg and she was feeling the warmth and as she was lying there that's when she felt the child move within her and then that's what made her say, you are the dragon. So, yeah, they're just little, right. little tiny references that you that you get to the time, to the timing of it. You just, it's, if you move past them, you, they're hard to catch. Yeah, that's, that's, that is brilliantly subtle. Like, I love that. Like, you wouldn't notice the time passing unless you really paid attention. Yeah, you really have. I mean, it's it's something that I picked up more on the second read through the book than I did on the first read through the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's easy to know. It's easy to know, you know, from the beginning. You know, she's before her marriage, and then at the end, she's she's de- delivered the baby, the not baby, and you know, has just torched her husband. But you know, so that's forty weeks ish. But yeah, it's a pretty swift character shift. Bran, Bran. Yes, Bran. This is Bran gets to go out riding, mm-hmm. which he enjoys. For a time, and uh, they hear they hear from King's Landing about uh, Jory and the others dying, and Ned's injury. The, I wanted to talk about that for a second. One of the things I really love about this first book is how the chapters tend to interrelate. And we just had a chapter 
two before. Now, Daenerys chapters tend to break this rule, but if you're in one of the Westeros people, they tend to the, the each chapter tends to intercommunicate. Like then you have the Ned chapter where that that happens, and then the next one in Westeros is. Bran and they hear about that happening mm-hmm. and then or like and then before the Ed chat then the Ned chapter was Caitlin and she's you know it wasn't immediately before but it was Caitlin capturing Tyrion and then you hear about it in that chapter and then you know the, the word moves around and it, it keeps everything kind of it shows you that it's all one kind of interconnected world and I like well that. and yeah something that I noticed the second time through though is that at first when you first read this you feel like every time you get to a Danny chapter it's just so thrown in there and then as you go through again and you're reading it with again it's very subtle you start to realize that things that they're talking about in the Westeros chapters you start to see in hers yeah right especially when they're talking about Ser Jorah and Him being exiled. Or the opposite of when they were talking about her being pregnant in Westeros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is some, but it's obviously delayed, which I wonder how long it took for them in Winterfell to learn of Jory's death. It, as long as, probably as fast as it takes a, a crow to, or a raven to fly there, which mm-hmm. wouldn't be all that long. Yeah, they maybe, maybe, right. if, maybe a week. So it, That's something I'm not even sure of, because, you know, I mean... It makes me think of Harry Potter owls, but they were mad. <laughs> They're magic. I mean, so I don't get the impression that, like, in Harry Potter, a letter takes as long as it takes an owl to fly, because I get that there's some magic involved, but there's no magic here. So I'm just wondering, you know, yeah, that makes me think further upon, further on the matter of the Raven Crow post system. Mm-hmm. I mean, and really, let's, I mean, did they really used to use ravens for post? Like post owls, yeah. Right? I to. don't know. I don't know if it's like real based on real. Oh, I didn't the- ever hear that it was based on anything real. Like when I read it in the book, I thought it was crazy, and I thought of Harry Potter. I mean, you think of carrier pigeons, but it's like, how do you train a yeah. bird to just? Tell yeah, how a do you train say, a bird to do anything? Go to Winter- I mean, go to, go to Winterfell. <laughs> Off to Winterfell. Actually, Especially- the way the way it works is with with pigeons. I believe is that they're born in a certain place. And they can return. Ah, uh, they place. can take yeah, take letters to that place. So basically, what it is you you have someone birth a dozen carrier pigeons in one in let's say in okay let's say this is instead in Westeros. Let's say they're at King's Landing and they birth a dozen ravens. Well, you take you know four of those ravens up with you to Winterfell. Winterfell. And you take four of those down with you to you know, Lannisport, and you take you know four of them over to the Airy, and then when you want to send a message to uh, King's Landing, to King's Landing, you just take one of those from the King's Landing cage, you tie a note on it, and you throw it out the window. That seems so inefficient, though, because then you've got this this bird at King's Landing that's to uh-huh. take messages to King's Landing. So what do you do? You truck it back to Winterfell, <laughs> and then you know pretty, it's pretty much. It's not I mean, like you it, can send them FedEx or something. No, you have to you have to do it overland, and it's 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 the kind of thing that is useful, yes, but it's also difficult to maintain. But what's the value of being able to to send messages that re- that get there in weeks with no harm to the messenger, as opposed to you know having to to go on the King's Road for or uh, sorry, the, get the messages quickly in, in days instead of weeks. And you know when it takes it would take weeks on a, on a King's Road, you could be hit by bandits. You could you know almost anything could yeah. happen. Yeah, I mean, so. it's obviously yeah, it's obviously if if that's all you have, that's great, um, a great um, resource. Honestly, it's the kind of thing that I think you just have to kind of grin and bear it. You have to just 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 don't worry about it and and just uh, suspend disbelief on that kind of thing because it's it's such an integral part of this world. They 
they always have those those always sending those messages on those ravens and you know, yeah I think it's with any kind of technology that just seems very inefficient when you're past that you know like think of how inefficient we now think of tapes you have to rewind yeah we're, we're, true you know we we also another thing is that we brought this up earlier is we know this is not our world or at least it seems like it's not our world it doesn't take very much much tweaking to make it where ravens are you know are smart enough that they can be trained to try to to deliver yeah, and actually i think ravens really are pretty smart like i think maybe the thing with the pigeons might apply to pigeons but it's quite possible that ravens are smarter than they're smart enough to know a few homes like maybe you have a even if it's just one more stop like you have a raven that can go from king's landing and then can go back to winterfell you know and this is the winterfell king's landing raven possible like i think that's possible who knows but this is where Bran and Rob go hunting, and they're set upon by bandits. Bandits, and Theon goes lollygagging somewhere. Shows up at the last minute and is an asshole. And Bran gets cut and doesn't, and finally realizes that he can't. It kind of hits home to him that he's paralyzed, and they take a prisoner to go back and work in the kitchens. And it's ocean. Osha, who in the movie is being played by Tonks. Which I... Really? I, yeah, yeah. I, I the Tonks actress is playing Osha. Natalia Tina. That's interesting. Yeah. I cannot... That that one just doesn't... I don't that see it. That was just very surprising. Like, I mean, I'm not I, sure I see it or don't see it. I was just like, whoa, Tonks. I think I saw Osha in my mind's eye as like a bigger woman. Yeah, Not like too. fat. Not like a fat woman, but like a big, stout Yeah. Mm big like a husky yeah because it talks about later in in the book about her carrying bran maybe it's not this book but it's somewhere that she's carrying bran osha you know carries him around sometimes i mean Mm -hmm. and he's he's a eight-year-old nine-year-old kid and that's a lot of heft to be hefting him around and you know it's anyway i just saw somebody with a little more substantial meat on her bones okay well, maybe she's bulked up for the part. I right doubt now. it. <laughs> maybe they'll put her in a Gen 2 suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, self-deprecating humor. This is the best Yeah, one. yes. They probably just wanted more pretty women in the cast. Of course. Yeah, they probably, they you know, they just want men probably, probably. I think it's probably equal opportunity. They're trying to make characters more attractive than they well, it's probably TV. are. Everybody's more attractive than in real life. They're probably going to cast somebody beautiful for Brienne of Tarth, too. Oh, that's what I was just about to say. When they cast somebody that's beautiful for Brienne of Tarth, I'm going to know that there's something screwed up in their casting. Yeah. Because she's supposed to be butt-fugly. Oh, my God, Nitro! Except for her eyes. She's supposed to have nice eyes. But everything about her is supposed to scream bull dyke. Yeah, or something, yes. And... Doesn't sound like an attractive person at all. I mean, I just see this hulking, massive, square-shouldered, no-waist kind of woman who, when you put her in a dress, it looks like the most odd thing. Looks like a dude in a dress. (laughs) Looks like a dude in a dress. You know, and I, I see that she's got, like like a helmet haircut and I just I can picture her in my mind and I I like her as a character I think she's a nice girl and blah 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 I just I just I think that she's just unfortunately bad looking 
for those of you not reading ahead, Brienne is a character that is introduced in book two. Oh, yes. But her existence is hopefully not a spoiler. It shouldn't be. Nah. She's just another character that comes along the way. and One of the many characters that just comes along the way. Right. Like my beloved Davos, who we have yes. not yet met yes. in our discussion. And I'm really looking forward to looking to re- to discussing Davos because I find him very interesting. Yay! Davos is interesting. I he love Davos. Interesting. But right now we're talking about the next chapter, which is Tyrion. Yes, and yes. In the sky cells, which yes, we thank to. you. Here are the sky cells. Thank you, Mord, for introducing us to the sky cells. The greatest combination prison cell slash torture technique known to man. Yes. Okay, and we get a oh. I love this insult. This is one of the best insults. You fucking son of a pox-ridden ass, he spat. I hope you die of a bloody flux. <laughs> flux being, I think, a flu. <laughs> um. but, but a bit, I think the sky cells are getting to Tyrion. He's a little off his game there because I think he's usually more subtle than... <laughs> <laughs> it's a little heavy-handed. <laughs> For a small man, he had been cursed with a dangerously big mouth. The errands laughably called their dungeon. Huddled beneath a thin blanket, it was his only bedding, staring out at a blaze of empty blue sky and distant mountains that seemed to go on forever, wishing he still had the shadow skin cloak he'd won from Marillion at Dice after he'd blah blah blah. The wind tugged at his blanket with gusts sharp as talons. His cell was miserably small, even for a dwarf. Not five feet away where a wall ought to have been, where a wall would be in a proper dungeon, the floor ended and the sky began. He had plenty of fresh air and sunshine and the moon and stars by night, but Tyrion would have traded it all in for an instant for the dark, traded it all in in an instant for the dankest, gloomiest pit in the bowels of Casterly Rock. You fly, Mord had promised him when he shoved him into the cell. Twenty day, thirty, fifty, maybe, then you fly. They kept the only dungeon in the realm where the prisoners were welcome to escape at will. The first day after girding up his courage for hours, Tyrion had lain flat on his stomach and squirmed to the edge to poke out his head and look down. Sky was 600 feet below with nothing between but empty air. He craned his neck out as far as it could go. He could see the other cells to his right and left and above him. He was a bee in a stone honeycomb and someone had torn off his wings. It was cold in the cell, the wind screamed at night and in day, and worst of all, the floor sloped. Ever so slightly, yet it was enough. He was afraid to close his eyes, afraid he might roll over in his sleep and, if, and wake in sudden terror as he went sliding off the edge. Small wonder the sky cells drove men mad. Oh, definitely. See, like, I think I think I mentioned this when we were talking earlier about the sky cells, but it's like, I don't really have a fear of heights, but I have a fear of imbalance. So this would just drive me completely nuts. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about five feet. Five feet. It's not very much. I'm kind of like laying on my bed. Or not laying on my bed, but reclining on my bed. Five feet is not... I think it's... Yes, I'm an inch short of five feet. I mean, this is basically me. (laughs) I mean, I think that his cell is not even as big as my bed. I have a king-size bed. I think his cell is smaller. Yep, probably. And your bed doesn't slope slightly to one side, nor is there nothing but sky outside of it. No, no. So when you think about that, I think my bed is 88 by 88 inches, and five feet is is 60 60 inches. inches. That is... 
small. That is, but I would fit. <laughs> that is some small stuff. I mean, and for a normal size guy. I mean, think about a normal size guy in a space that small. Exactly. You couldn't even stretch out to go to sleep. But would you want to go to sleep with the thought that you might roll out? <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's what I'm saying. It, he's saying, yeah, you would go crazy because you, you'd just, you'd be sleep deprived and you'd just, you'd lose die. your mind. Me, yeah. I mean, just die of crazy, die of fear. Yeah, you just, you just lose your mind. <laughs> you'd start to hallucinate or you'd just, mm-hmm. you'd just lose it. But anyway, we see a little bit more how weird the whole Lord Robert Lady Lysa is. I mean, he just wants to see him fly. He just wants to watch people get thrown out the window, which makes you wonder how often they do that to make him happy. Because <laughs> the fact that he mentions that he wants Let's throw to see him it out makes the moon you think door. he's seen it before. <laughs> throw him out the moon door. I mean, my God. And another thing. I mean, it's like he slew the hand of the king. They brought Tyrion there because Caitlin believes that he had was involved with the attack on Bran. And now all of a sudden he's in the veil and he's slew the hand of the king. The woman is weird. It's like, how did we go from, right. from Bran to... He slew John Aaron. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it it shows you how crazy she is that she's just so hyper focused on her husband's death. Like, I think that may have been what you know. I mean, if she was a little off, like this could have that could have just pushed her way over the edge. Well, she's obviously off of her rocker, right? Well, and then Tyrion goes on to say that he thought that he would only be in the sky cells for a little bit thought that they were just were trying to teach him a lesson and then how he just they kept letting him sit there and sit there and sit there and then he realized that he was actually going to be there for days and then he started to really worry that he was going to starve to death or freeze to death and then you know he's starting to wonder if he was hallucinating because of the sky you know if he's hallucinating because of the sky and he finally gets to the point where he's been in the cell for so long that he's got to start to make some kind of plea to the jailer because he's afraid that he's losing his senses and yeah. he's got to get out of there any way that he can figure before he Mm -hmm. just completely loses his mind because he knows that the only way he can get out is to talk his way out right talking was how he got in there he figures talking can get him back out i guess so yeah i don't know exactly (laughs) and these people have to just be i don't understand i mean i know that he's a lannister and i know that lannister you know means lannisters pay their debts and lannister means a lot to to anybody in the realm but come on it's like he can just go around saying well i'm a lannister and i'll pay you money i don't have any now but i'll pay you money you'll be rich i promise you you'll be rich let me out or you know give me this or be my bodyguard and you'll be rich or I'll pay your tribe and, you know, you'll be rich or you'll all have still helms or <laughs> it's like everybody's just so <laughs> willing to just take him for his word. You know, he has no idea whether his father is going to give him the money to pay these people. So it, just, if it gets him out. I mean, he just wants to say it. Yeah, I know. You know but I think he would just say anything. He's desperate. 
at that point, and it's not until he's finally out of his out of that sky cell that he, I think, regains his his swagger a little bit. Yeah, and then he tells the jailer to tell Lady Lysa that he's ready to confess his crime, and then he gets up in front of an audience, and he's like, he's ready to confess his sins, but and he starts to confess, but he confesses everything but what they want him to confess for, and he's like, I copped all this, but not to the crap that you're throwing on my plate. I'm highborn, and if you're gonna treat me like this, then I deserve a trial, and I want trial by combat. And then they're forced to do it because they brought a, a room full of spectators. So he was pretty smart. And she, he got to piss off the kid because he didn't get to get thrown out the moon door. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they send him away, right? They send Robert away. All right. Yeah, I think he has a... Uh, I think they have to send him out because he gets upset because he doesn't... Right, and he gets upset and has trouble. Seizure. Yeah. Okay, and then he wants to send for Jamie, and they say no, and they say it's going to happen tomorrow, and then Braun steps up and says that he'll stand up for him in combat. And that ends that. And then we have another Ned... Leanna in her bed of blood, and he's dreaming of all the people that died. Seems very ominous. Yeah. But it is what we get of Leanna's death. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, is very telling, again. Yeah. Who was she killed by? She, she died. She just she, died, she, I think. She died. Leanna in her like bed. She was, like, ill or something. Leanna in her bed of blood. And then Ned wakes up from his dream. Robert's wanting to see him, and he's been in bed unconscious for six days and robert wants to see him now and i would tell robert to bite my butt at that point you also hear how jamie has left the city and fled really and how everybody knows about Tyrion now and caitlin having captured him yeah and and of course cersei is is standing in the background being cersei and She's hateful. I cannot stand her. I know. She's just... I think she is, like, one of the most fun characters to hate in anything I've ever read. Cersei is? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I hate that bitch so much. <laughs> she's she's just she's just a right bitch. I swear to God. There's so many moments where you're like, you, you don't think she could top herself, but then she manages to do And then do she it. does. That's right. And you just... You just you just hate her, and you just keep on hating her, and I'm perfectly fine to never... I'm perfectly happy to never stop hating her. Yeah, and Caitlin has taken taken Tyrion, and it's okay for her to have Tyrion as a hostage, alive, to answer for what he might have done. It's not okay for that to happen, but it's okay for Jamie Lannister to kill Ned's entire household guard in the middle of the street and pretty much possibly slay the hand of the king. What right? What right did Ned have to take her brother hostage to answer? I mean, it's like they didn't really do anything to the... There wasn't any confirmation that anything bad happened to Tyrion. Yeah, it's... But it was was okay for Jaime to just go in and just slay everyone. He comes in and he kills three of Ned's men and brutally wounds Ned in the process. and, and, And then they chastise Ned for having caused all this and... Really? The brother she doesn't even like. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a theme though that that he may they may not like him. He may be ugly. He may be he may be a freak, but he's still a Lannister, and blood yeah. means more than anything else. Yeah. And then they're trying to say that Ned was returning drunk from a brothel, and that's why it was okay <laughs> for Jamie to just you know try to kill him or try to kill him and that made sense to me you know but and and he talked to and robert talked to little finger and he does admit that you were coming back from a whorehouse from some whorehouse 
Yeah, that and that was the truth. You know, Peter was able to tell the truth, but he lies by omission. Ned just is, is like, dude, I went there to see your child. And she calls him Vera, because that's yeah. not obvious. Yeah. Who the father could possibly be based on that. Yeah, no kidding. And of course, Cersei is ever more and more a bitch, and Robert backhands her like one. I love women. I don't think you should be violent to them. I don't, I don't believe in slapping around. I, I don't support wife beating. I understand it! <laughs> not i don't condone that but she didn't deserve it i mean i wouldn't want to be the deciding member on a fucking jury or anything and of course and of course robert is still being kind of weak about the whole jamie ned thing in the road and Uh she's like i take you for a king you're not even a king you know and she's belittling his manhood and she's just an evil shrew and i'm not saying he should have killed her but i understand yeah and i just can ever sympathize with her. It's just she. No. I, I can't ever sympathize with Cersei. She's just she's just not a nice person. She looks after hers and her own, but at the expense of everything else. And she's ambitious, and she's ruthless. And none of these qualities I'm mentioning, except for possibly that that looking after the, your own, is is the least bit sympathetic. Really, she's not evil in the, in the in the truest sense of that word. She doesn't she doesn't cause harm and pain for harms and pain sakes but she does she, she doesn't have scruples she doesn't care about like i think it's almost as if like i'm not sure what the right word is is it sociopath where she just doesn't care about other people yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know what the word what the right word no, is sociopath is the right word I mean, she does care about some people she cares about her father she cares about you know jamie very deeply yeah um, I mean, I would say that those are more extensions of herself in a way, in in the sense of in her caring. Jamie, I think Cersei and Jamie sometimes think of each other as extensions of their own selves. Right? They're just because, like other their other half. Yes. Like I think their relationship is so twisted. Like I think, especially the sexual part of their relationship is definitely more of a like because you like it's you know it's. I think they see it as they're just each other's other half. Like, they're not whole okay. unless they're united. I, like I said, I agree with that logic. Let's see. And uh, where do we have now? We have going into Caitlin. So it's quite ominous. The last thing that Robert says to Ned, which is put on the badge, Ned, it suits you. And if you ever throw it in my face again, I swear to you, I'll pin the damn thing on Jamie Lannister. It's Which is... Robert... Part, part of Robert's problem is he wants to be king, and he wants Ned as his hand, but he doesn't really want to listen to him. He wants him to tell him what he wants to hear, really. He wants Ned as his hand, I think, initially because he thought Ned would do what he said, basically. Like, Ned yeah. would do the thinking, the hard, you know, the heavy lifting and the thinking yeah. and, and the legwork. Robert, Robert could continue his eating and hunting and whoring and... You know, the stuff he was doing before, yeah. only with that ultimately, have his best friend at his side. I think this has been like a letdown for both of them. Ned come in and see that his, his friend had changed. But for Robert as well, I think Robert perceives Ned as also having changed. And maybe he has, we, don't, we just don't know. Like, we don't know enough about. We haven't seen Ned in the past mm-hmm. to know this, but it's quite possible he has. But then again, he also, I think it's more of an issue that Ned matured <laughs> because yeah. he, Robert had kids too. But I think, I think Ned was more involved with his children and his wife. And it's clearly the husband, a family where the husband and wife love each other. And it's a functional family where they um, love each other and both take care of the children. Whereas Robert and Cersei are not. It illustrates how lucky I think Caitlin and Ned are in arranged marriage such as theirs to find love. 
I don't think it's a spoiler to say that we learned from Caitlin that she does love Ned very much. Yeah. And I think despite, it's quite clear. Yeah. Despite the, uh, well, uh, and she, she says it outright in her thoughts numerous times about how much she loves him and how much she misses him after certain things happen later in this book. But it's obvious that Robert and Cersei do not have that for whatever reason. And as we find the reason to be pretty shortly, oh, well, actually, as we already really know that it's because... I think it's clearly, I mean, from before, it's Robert is still hung up on Lyanna. Yeah, not only is he still hung up on Lyanna, but also Cersei has, is, is boffing it with her brother. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. Yeah, that too. And they're, they seem to be very much in love. And as wrong as it is for, you know, twin siblings to be doing it. Boom, shabba, lubba, lubba. It's love. Whatever. And I can I can understand that a little bit, but it is still icky. So neither of them, both of them are hung up on somebody else. It's, it's very much a, it's so much a political marriage that you, I, if it wasn't for the restrictions of this world, you would, you would, you could picture them as in the, in the, in the like Lucy and Desi beds where they're like two like twin beds that they never actually sleep together. Like they right. go to bed, they go to bed in the same room, but they, that's as far as it goes. Like one imagines the, how the Clinton White House might have been for a couple of years. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I love Bill. I do, but he was a dog. It's okay. It's all good. Anyway, um, so yeah, Caitlin. Caitlin is next. This is the duel, is it not? Right. Is, um, and- well, they're starting to see that there's mention of the Lannisters coming to take Tyrion back, Tyrion, yeah. and um, the Kingslayer is massing a host at Casterly. Yes. What, and then there says there's a letter from Edmure. I forget what that's about. Has commanded Lord Vance and Lord Piper to guard the pass below the Golden Tooth. He vows to you he will yield no foot of Tully land without first watering it with Lannister blood. Seems war may be coming to Westeros. Yes, indeed. If, if I read it correctly, there's they've been 14 years without war. Unless, Unless been- you count Balan Grey Joy's Rebellion, which was less than 14 years ago. Okay. It was and that's what more like it was more like ten. Like okay. that's right, because because Theon's been there for ten years, so it's been, yeah. t- but still probably ten years without war, and that rebellion didn't seem to me to be like a, a a world encompassing thing, more of a localized thing, right? So it's been a long time since there's been a major conflict, and there's an there's a, a thing about this kind of feudal system that they, they, they live in, and it's not exactly the feudal system as it was in the, in the Middle Ages, but the way there's pressures on a feudal society to, to wage war, the way it's structured with knights and lords and, and whatnot. A knight has children, and a lord has children, and except for the first one, which is going to inherit, the other children, they're highborn, but they don't have anything. So in order to get that, they have to go to war. So there's this pressure to go out and wage war against one's enemies, and... So there's this, this pressure for continuous war that doesn't really exist in a modern society as much. And I think that this is, you're seeing right here, is not only was this a, a kidnapping of Tyrion, you know, a, a, a slight on the Lannisters, but I think also that you're, you're starting to feel this, this pressure that there's been 14 years of peace. We need to expand our territory. We need to get new lands for our our sons and our nephews and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I really think that's that's part of what drives the action primarily in the next book. Really much, pretty much the whole series, I think. That, that's part of it, at least. Anyway. And then we have the fight. And it's... Which um, is a fight. I don't really... I'm not really much one for paying attention to fights. <laughs> there's there's a good bit of action in these in this series. It's not necessarily his strongest point. I actually think his strongest point is writing dialogue, which he doesn't do mm-hmm. enough of. 
He needs to write more scenes which are just characters bantering back and forth because I swear to God, this man writes some of the best banter I've ever heard. And it just doesn't write enough. There's, uh, I'm I'm not without spoiling anything. There's a particular scene, and it's not spoiling anything to say that Theon has his own points of view in the second book. There's a particular one of those where Theon meets a woman, and they banter back and forth for basically the entire chapter. And it's one of the most yeah, that's a great a great chapter. It's an amazing. It's amazingly written, and. It's a crime that he does... That's like maybe one of three or four chapters where he does serious banter. And it's really very much a crime, I think, that he doesn't do more. Because it's just really, really good. And I I wish... His fight scenes are good. His battle scenes are pretty, pretty good, I think. This is very good description, but that banter is good. Is is the best best he does. And there's not much bantering in this chapter. Stupid little Lord Robert still wanting to see Tyrion fly. He's yeah. really he's acting like a like a child of like three or something. Yeah, that's what I think. But I was I think it's mostly Lysa's fault. Oh, it's definitely Lysa's fault. I mean she's an idiot. Crazy or something. Yeah, crazy. And maybe she's an idiot, I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't acquainted with her before she was crazy. I can't judge. <laughs> I can't judge. <laughs> They mentioned something in the in one of the previous chapters about how she wasn't the same person who went to King's Landing when yeah. John Aaron became the hand. And I don't know. I wonder maybe if childbirth did something to her. Yeah. Or if, or if some, or something else maybe. I don't yeah. I don't get the feel I get the feeling that John Aaron and, and Lysa Lysa Tully weren't exactly as close as say Caitlin and Robert were. Or well Caitlin she's like his third wife or some or something. Yeah, and he's like twice as old as she is. Or she right. was about twice as old as she was. Right. So they clearly really don't have anything in common. I mean, she was fixated on him. I don't know if she loved him. She was fixated. I mean, she's just fixated on him. Uh-huh. Fixated on avenging his death. Finding out who, you know, she like how she immediately jumps to the conclusion that Tyrion killed him. When uh-huh. there's, you know, absolutely no evidence to support that is that indicative know. of, well, right. With the, with the exception of, of essentially Littlefinger was Tyrion's. And I don't know if Caitlin ever tells her about the dagger. I don't, I don't recall that specifically that scene. She's a little crazy. A little crazy. And then we have the, we have the fight. Servardus and Bronn go at it. The cell sword is victorious. And Tyrion the, gets to leave. The imp goes free. They led, they, they force him to go out basically unarmed against the into the mountains of the moon where there are many many wild peoples to attack him right and which is almost a death sentence in itself or so they think which is their intention we have uh, john good old john snow still training at castle black haven't heard from john in a while he's being trained by alistair thorne who's a bit of a bastard not literal bastard, just a, a mean old bastard. Is this the chapter where I meet Sam? I know he's in it, but I don't remember if this was if it was in a previous chapter. Yeah, I don't think he... Yeah, I think he was in a previous chapter. Yeah. Well, this is, this is where we get something about the Maester's Collar, where they find out that each link is for, like, a different subject. This was the, the different, yeah, the different metals are for. Which gives you the impression that Master Aemon is really old, because he has a very large chain. He talks to Aemon about having Sam come and help him because he wants to protect Sam. And he knows that if Sam will never be elevated otherwise, but if he's made a steward, then he won't be stuck with with Alistair Thorne and the boys that don't like him and where John can't protect him anymore. And where he's, you know, not really good at it. Sam, I like. I mean, Sam isn't, you know, one of my, you know, top favorites, but yeah. I do enjoy him. He's he, a fun guy. He's an, I mean, he's just a nice guy. See, I mean, this is, 
in in a world where it seems like everybody has a secret asshole side. Sam doesn't seem to have that. Right. Sam Sam strikes me as a, as a guy who was born to the wrong age. Like if he was born yeah. If he was born into a technological civilization, he would do fine. If he was born even into a more peaceful society where the engagement of, in warfare and the and the, the profession of, of making war wasn't as important as it is in Westeros, that he could have had a, a full and productive life and his father would have been proud of him and all would have been well. But because he's born into this place and this time, he... Uh, I'm talking to myself now. Okay, well, that was the Skype app crashing. Yay! I uh, just spent about two or three minutes talking to myself about Samwell. That's nice. I mean, it's Pretty good awesome. to talk about Samwell. It reminded me of reminded me of the scene in Jurassic Park where everybody gets out of the car and Jeff Bloat Goldblum's left there and he's like, and now I'm here sitting by myself uh, talking to myself. That's, <laughs> that's chaos theory. <laughs> the John chapter seemed to be spaced pretty well in the first book. You figure that as one of Ned Stark's children, he'll be important since they all seem to be. But obviously his, you know, hasn't quite come about yet and the wall hasn't really, you haven't really seen its importance yet, although, except in the prologue. Um, you'll get there. Oh, of course. But Samwell, he's, uh, I, as I was talking to P.S. about him, he, he seems like a, uh, a man born into the wrong age. I was saying that if he had, if he had been born into a technological civilization or into a civilization that didn't quite value the, the profession of making war as much as it does, that he would have lived a full and happy life, but as it is, yeah. he's not So, what, what do you think about Samwell? Me? Yeah. I love him. Is he your favorite? Always- Always loved him. He's one of my favorites. He's on the top top of my my favorite list. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if it's possible to dislike Sam. There's nothing about him to dislike, really. Yeah, he he's just nice. Like I was saying, he's you know, born in the wrong family. Because I mean, I think even if he was born into a family like the Starks, he would have been okay. But instead, he was born into a family that was a little crazy. <laughs> Obviously, I always cringe later on down the road where you when you read about Lord Tarly, you're like, yeah, that guy's an ass. Because you know, because you, you you see, you see, you know, Samwell's going to live up to John's faith in him, and you know he's going to be he's going to do more than. Clearly, the father has not read a lot of books, <laughs> because you can. This is the kind of character like that turns out to, you know, this is like Neville. Yeah. That and I actually think that he is going to be very Neville-esque. Yeah, I'll be interested in the, the next book in the series comes out. Hopefully, you know, there'll be some Sam in there. Yeah. Of course, the way that it's the way that it's uh, been foreseen or forewritten or whatever, there might not be. Yeah. But, yeah maybe uh, not in the next one because of what he said, the nature of the... Um, right, because supposedly the, he, it's going to be a fill-in of the chapter of yeah. the... I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the fourth and fifth books are like split so that you have characters in the fourth book that may not be in the fifth. And there are mm-hmm. some some characters missing that aren't in the fourth book that will be in the fifth. And since there's a lot of Sam in the fourth, I think it's likely that that yeah. plot line won't be revisited much in the fifth book. Yeah, because I think you'll pick, get John. It's supposed to be and- happening at the same time, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. you get you'll get John back on the wall in the fifth book where you had what was happening with Sam in the fourth. But I think when we do revisit what's happening with Sam, I think Sam will eventually at some point end up back home. Oh. And I think that he will not be recognizable. Yeah. It'd be kind of like the end of end of, end of uh, Lord of the Rings when the Hobbits return to the Shire and they're like, who the hell are those guys? 
he goes to see Master Eamon. And they're talking about yeah. about where they might be because they're talking about his Uncle Benjamin is a ranger. And so John, they think John is, is a shoe-in to be a ranger. And is that Hob is going to the builders? It- but they don't, but they, they, he thinks that Sam is going to get stuck without being promoted, essentially. And he's going to be stuck with Sir Alistair Thorne and all the bullies. It's like he's going to have to repeat a year, basically. Yeah, and he thinks that, that the new kids or the old kids or whoever's left are basically going to kill him. So he goes to chat up Maester Eamon to see about what he can do for Sam. Seems like he maybe convinces him to let him be a steward as opposed to because he can read, which is not a common No, it's not a common <laughs> thing a at all. skill common to the, the Night Watchman. No, and he can do sums, too, because he can do math and he can read. And he comes from a family that's had a library, so he's used to books. And I think that there is something to be said from talking about families who own books, that books are commodities and something that are cherished and they're worth a lot. I mean, they're not, I mean, obviously books are, some people cherish their books, but books were very, very hard to come by and... A family with books was really something, and so, I mean, I think you needed people to understand what it took to care for books, and so I think that that was an underlying factor that I think that people might not really realize in John's argument, is that they really needed somebody that was used to being with books. Well, it makes sense. It's not exactly, it's not like they have universities, and it's not like they have printing Well, presents. except for the, mace, the maesters. Mm-hmm. We have Tyrion. They're on the road. On the road. They're- with Braun. And here is another subtle description of Braun. Beneath a fall of black hair, Braun's dark eyes regarded Tyrion suspiciously. Gee, I wonder if Braun is related to Robert. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that in my mind, in my mind, Braun is not dark. I don't really know what he is, but he's not dark. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I. I don't know. That's, what he I is. was. That's so, how I pictured him. I don't know. I didn't picture him as dark. I've never actually tried to picture Bron. I don't. So. I'm not sure that I have a very clear mental image of him in my brain. I just dark. He doesn't is, have a face. Like he has like all this hair in in my my mind. He has like all this hair that like covers his face, so I can't see his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be that would kind of be accurate for me. But I think I saw him as more like a uh, I don't know a blondish brownish kind of i don't know brawn is a blonde kind of yeah and then we've got you know there he's out with the the moon the moon men and chicken and chicken the son of the son of somebody and all the sons of sons of sons and sons of and they're all they're all offended and they're all you know taking each other's goats you would pay me with my own goat and Shaga the son of Dolph and Gunther the son of Gurn and <laughs> I get tired of all of these weird names. <laughs> no, that's understandable. Like Shaga. 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 It's hard to remember them. Like I just, for some reason, I just, it's Shaga son of Dolph. Like it's all just one thing. Shaga son of Dolph. Con. <laughs> Con Lannister. Con, no, Con. Who is the hell is Con? Con, I don't know, Gunther, son of Gurg. Oh, the Stone Crows. Yeah, and, and the, Shaga's got the ring, the necklace of ears, and, or is that Shaga or somebody else? I don't know. Oh, yeah, that is so, that is so gross. 
<laughs> I found Khan. I wonder who is Khan the son of? Chicken was lowborn scum. Uh, it just there's like oh all this these... is where he tells the story about his wife about how oh, about his um the the um what's her name is it Tisha 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 Tyrion and Tisha it's actually one of the saddest things I've ever heard honestly yeah yeah oh definitely as somebody who who enjoys Tyrion's character not necessarily like him you know his politics or anything but you know like him as a, as a character it's pretty heartbreaking to to read that because he's he is just slighted. At every turn, essentially, and it is it is the probably. I mean, it is one of the most cruelest things I've seen from the Lannisters. Definitely, honestly, yeah. Tywin Lannister is a is a is a bastard. I mean he he's a he, he's something else. He's he is not well loved by his family. Let's put it that way. Khan and Torric and Jagat and more that Tyrion forgot the instant he heard them. <laughs> kind of name is Jagged? Like, who looks at your baby that's just been born and says, this is Jagged? <laughs> and I love how Tyrion says, I am Tyrion, son of Tywin of the clan Lannister, the Lions of the Rock. That's how it, how it would be said in their way. Yeah, I, love it. I like how he puts it, like, in their terms. Tyrion is nothing if not clever, and he, he understands very quickly what he needs to do to, to make these people his, or to at least... You know, prevent them from killing him. Yeah. They call him the little boy man. If I chop off your manhood and feed it to the goats. <laughs> Which is a running gag after that. Well, and I think that Tyrion finds himself at home with these people. I don't know if that's in this chapter or if that's in the future. But I think he finds himself at home with these people. Because they seem to have kind of the same... He's able to quip with them. And this comes back to what I was saying earlier about how well that George R. R. Martin writes yeah. banter. It's amazing how well he writes it, and the, and this and the these men of the mountains of the moon, the clansmen, they banter very well with Tyrion. Yeah, they do. Well, it keeps it, it makes them real people. Real people banter, even savage people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then we come back to Ned, who is in pain from his leg. He's in pain, and he's having to sit on the throne. Those pokey, sharp fangs. It's like the worst throne in the world. Like, why would why would you do that? I mean, I can just can't picture, like, oh, we just conquered this kingdom. We're setting up our kingdom. Let's make a pokey throne. Out of all people, our asses will always hurt as we sit and rule our kingdom. Then the weapons of their enemies or something like that? Yeah. Probably. It's probably something tough like that. No, it I just says, think it it says what it is. Immense ancient seat of Aegon the Conqueror, an ironwork monstrosity of spikes and jagged edges and grotesquely twisted metal. It was, as Robert had warned him, a hellishly uncomfortable chair, and never never more so than now, with his shattered leg throbbing more sharply every minute. The metal beneath him had grown harder by the hour, and the fanged steel behind made it impossible to lean back. A king should never sit easy, Aegon the Conqueror had said, when he commanded his armorers to forge a great seat from the swords laid down by his enemies. Yeah, I remember correctly. Yes. I mean, who's that insane? It's when Aegon. You have one, yeah, Aegon. When you, yeah, they marry their brothers and sisters. But when you have won a cushion or something, you can, think, you can yeah. make it out of the swords, but couldn't you have had a cushion? You're the king. Well, he's probably just such a hard-ass king that he's just like... No, no cushions for the king. 
<laughs> He's Chuck oh, Norris. Chair. <laughs> this is Chuck Norris's chair. Chuck Norris makes the Iron Throne bleed. In Westeros, uh, the king sits on Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Except nobody sits on Chuck Norris. Sits on Chuck Norris's chair. You know what we should totally do instead of Chuck Norris' first song of Ice and Fire? It should be Arya. Arya, really? I think so. Who else would it be? Well, who's the most badass person in in Westeros? My name is Inigo Montoya. The Hound. I don't know. Yeah, if it's the, the Hound. Ha- well, I, I think it's, I think it's Sir Gregor. Gregor. No, but he's he's just sociopathic and Gregor. But he's he's just dumb. Like he's I can't the, imagine making. I can't imagine making up Gregor. I mean. What are some he's, Gregor? He's, he's like a he's like a big dumb giant thing. Brilliant. The way you know, I see Gregor is like it's not so much that he's really a good fighter; it's that he's just so huge. He just crushes everyone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you know. I just like see him like a, a slobbering oaf or something. I don't even count him like as real human. Or something. Like, can he talk? Like, does yeah. he ever talk? I, I think he. I think he does talk, but for some reason, I don't count him as. He's not badass because I think if you're going to be badass, you get have to be smart and likable. Yeah. And Sandor he is. Clegane's, at least he's at least sympathetic. I, mm-hmm. I would yeah. Think the hound would be then would probably my best the best choice. Although I tell you, Jamie's Jamie's pretty badass too. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think I. Or, he may be badass, but I don't think you. I don't think it's like a Chuck Norris. I don't think no, you could do. No, Jamie. he's not. He's not badass, Chuck Norris. He's not gritty enough. Chuck Norris wouldn't do his sister. That's true. Chuck Norris would think that was nasty. Maybe we should just venerate somebody we we haven't had in a while, like Ned. Like we lost him so early, we can talk up Ned. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think I know, then Robert's, i guess i guess Robert's if he was badass. that awesome he'd come back from the dead yeah. <laughs> chuck norris would come back from the dead so if ned stark can't come back from the dead he's not worthy of being chuck norris, chuck norris no. i kind of get the feeling that robert like 15 years ago was might have been yeah he might have been yeah he might have been chuck norris he laid out rhaegar who was by all accounts an amazing fighter as well I mean, did he, you just see him swinging that warhammer around? He, he, dude, he just busted that dude. He just he has a mace. I mean, he, it's a friggin' mace. I mean, he's not even one of these sword guys. He's he has a mace that probably weighs as much as I do, and he's just you know he's chucking just, it around. Yeah, he's just like swinging it around and knocking the hell out of people. I mean, he's just like busting them up. He's making them into hamburger. I mean, yeah, he probably was Chuck Norris before he got fat and nasty. (laughs) Before he started porking everything that came across him and, you know, got fat and nasty. And getting it it pregnant with identical children. Mm -hmm. Let's see. What else do we have? We have an editor and he has to hear all of the bitches. Oh, yeah. Bitch, 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 bitch. Like, why would you want to be king? It's good to be the king. No, here's here's one of those, one of my favorite variations of a real name turned into Westeros Ease. Here's Mark with a Q. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think that is just so hilarious. Like, like how he just takes normal names and tries to pretend that they're like, you know, a a Westeros name when you're like, no, it's Mark. It's Mark with a Q, but it's Mark. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I thought the variation on Carl was pretty good. Carl's K A R Y L. 
it's a lot of just throwing in Y, you realize. Yeah. Like, Jane was J-E-Y-N-E. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, no, I have an aunt named Jane that's spelled like that, so that's that's still common for that to happen. It just, maybe not normally, as normal. Well, there's some names that are just perfectly normal, like Robert, for example. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like R-O-B-Y-R-T. <laughs> and, you know, Ned is, Ned is a, is a regular name, although Eddard yeah. is Except really. it came from Eddard. I'm trying to think, what's another one that is just like painfully? Brandon is normal. Lisa, is uh, one, uh, um, Lisa Aaron. Yeah, they added a Y to Lisa, except I pronounce it Lisa. I think I mean, of it as He turned Jeffrey it. into Joffrey. Huh, Peter Baelish is P-E-T-Y-R. Yeah. Now I'm looking at my uh, my lists in the back because there's one that I was thinking about this the other day, and there's one that just it just stuck out of me as you know not Westerosi enough. In the middle of all of it, you have Jennifer, <laughs> which is maybe not. It's not Adam with Adam with two D's, which is actually a legitimate way to spell Adam, although infrequently. I, I never heard of anybody spelled that way. There's it Michael with a Michael with a Y. It might have been in one of the uh, later books. Oh, and Samwell, although we call him Sam, but uh, yes, yeah, Samwell, not oh, Samuel. Samuel. Of course, all the Targaryen names are weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they're all they're all made up. Like I, I was just flipping through looking for normal names. He, and it's like like there's a Vortimer, not Mortimer, but Vortimer with a V. Yeah, it must be in one of the later books that I that I came across a name that I was just like, uh, yeah, is that Westeros. <laughs> like sometimes you almost wonder if this is people he knows. <laughs> He's just like, use my name, make my name Westerosi. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well, there is a okay, Beth. Okay, I'll add a Y. There is Beth. I mean, so far. Yeah. Except she's probably like E-L-Y-Z. <laughs> I don't know. She's only ever called Beth when I've seen her. Yeah. So, so maybe her name is just Beth. Oh, boy, we're dangerously off topic. Yeah. Dangerously off topic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's- so now we're back with Mark with a Q and Car- Carl. See, I was I was couldn't tell if it was Carl. Carl or Carol? No, Carol. I think it's Car- I think it's just Carl. Yeah. There's also a uh, same page Raymond R A Y M U N. Sounds weird. Mm, yeah. Like, wouldn't this be fun to just sit around all day and just make names Westeros style? Like change the letters around. <laughs> we, can, we can start a Facebook group. What's your Westeros yes. name? <laughs> be a lot of Y's in that. Yeah. Why teams? Yeah. Why is always good? It can replace a lot of vowels. Mine would. Well, be. Aaron, your thing is already there. It's John. You can use the last A-R-R-Y-N, name. Yeah. yeah. Either that, or it can be E R R Y N Aaron. Well, that's if or you say A it like or that. or A E R. Yeah, A E R R. Oh yeah, like Y N A E R R Y N. There. Like like the conqueror, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron. I think mine would be G Y N N Y F E R. Oh man, we are dangerously <sighs> off topic and we have already, yes. we have crashed upon the rocks. Let's finish off this chapter and then let's um, yeah. put his baby to bed. Yeah. Okay. We find out that Sandor, not Sandor, Gregor Clegane, the the slobbery mountain that rides, the slobbery stupid mountain that rides, was using a little boy as was playing with a little boy. His men, 
They were just playing with him and they were poking him with lances until they murdered him. So someone came to court to complain about it because they lost his their apprentice. And so... Sounds like a legitimate complaint to me. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would think so. And so they all decide that, hey, it might not be so good that... that to let Gregor run around without being chained up. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be so good that the mountain that rides is going around poking people until they die. Because he's supposed to be a bannerman of Lord Tywin Lannister, and Lord Tywin Lannister is supposed to pay fealty to the king, and the, the no one's at war right now, really, and everybody's supposed to be playing nicey-nicey, and so Mr. Gregor isn't supposed to be out raping and pillaging the land. So they decide that it's probably a good a good thing that somebody goes and, and slaps Gle- Gregor on the wrist and says, Dude, you need a timeout, and it's time for you to get your guys together and go watch some Sesame Street and have some juice, and hope that he will play nicey nicey and get the get the the S and satisfactory on plays nice with others. But we all know how that's going to turn out, really. But of course, it'll turn out well. Everything turns out well for Eddard. Yeah, and then we see Sir Loras Tyrell comes in in his beautiful pale blue silk. His golden roses. I always feel like this is like like a fashion designer should be describing his clothes. Like today, Sir Loris is dressed in a, <laughs> a pale blue silk designed by <laughs> so so. Do you have any impressions at this point of Sir Loris, Aaron? He strikes me as kind of the stereotypical white knight. Very much. Uh, you know who he is. Handsome. You know skilled and chivalrous he, he is he is played in my head by prince charming from shrek really? oh no that's jamie for me yeah that's, yeah. that's much more jamie yeah, for me you're right yes absolutely you're right that's what i that is that i think i did say that no because prince charming from shrek is a is kind of yeah, it's kind of a douche. So, I mean, he and Jamie, you know, they go together. But it's still that kind of image, except Loris is actually nice. Yeah, but you don't have any other... P.S., you don't have any other impressions of Loris? Oh, well, I have impressions of Loris. I've read the whole thing. I have several impressions of Loris. Oh, well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. I, I guess I'm ask, begging a question and asking it of you, and I'm just curious if Aaron had any impressions of Loris. He's not He's not a fully fleshed-out character yet. Like I said, he's, he seems one-dimensional at this point, just as the stereotypical chivalrous. Oh, he's very chivalrous, yeah. You know, very handsome, very... Well-dressed. Manscaped type yes. guy. Okay, so... Laura shows up and says, Let me do it. I can go out and do it. Let me prove myself for I am young and eager. Yes, and and Ned says, I don't think so. You're the same age as my son, and I think we should just send somebody that's more good. <laughs> more um, not six experienced. <laughs> that's more seasoned. No, what's my word? That commands more respect. Yes, capital. And that more it means no, not charismatic. That it means more coming from the throne. They just send out Sir Loras, the little kid. They need to send somebody that's that got some weight behind us. Yeah, and so, so they. They decide that they're going to send 
Sir I- Sir Island out with Dondarian, and or no, he's not going. Ilian's Ilian's not going. It's it's just Barrick. It's Barrick. And, I was going to say, isn't that rather the blind leading the blind? If you're sending Ilan Payne to round up the mountain, yeah, kind of. But <laughs> so they they send Sir Barrick out, and he take. Yeah, okay. So it's just Sir Barrick. Oh, they're talking about sending sending him with, but he doesn't end up going. That's right. All right. Okay. So there we have it. We have actually made it to more than two hundred and fifty pages through wow. tonight. Yay! Woohoo! We have progress. So we will return at a later date with right. more discussion, and that date will be, I mean, for us. Maybe we should say goodnight first. Good night! Good night! Good night first. See you later, Gators.